Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Coops Gaming Podcast, Crispy Takes on Games and Culture. My name is Dustin, and I'm here with my co-host, Dustin. Dustin, how are you doing today? I am doing good. Yeah, the sun is shining, and the winter is uh, cool and comfortable, uh, and we haven't had a world war yet, so everything's perfect. Yep. <laughs> yeah, see everything's perfect. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think that's where we're at, right? Every week that we don't end up in full-on world wars, uh, it's going to be an okay week. Yeah, I'm definitely better than the alternative. I didn't know that I had to set that parameter in my life, and I didn't think I would in my entire lifetime. <clears throat> but here we are. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on. <laughs> it's something else. The, the, it's fascinating to me to think that uh, our children and our children's children will talk about this time. It, like, yeah. The, like these years that we're living through, they'll, they'll be in history books. Uh, mm-hmm. There'll be stuff that for the next hundred years, uh, people will contemplate. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think that my world would have been that interesting. I saw this great video being like, I'm really tired of living through major historical events. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like listed all the millennial like big events like 9-11 and like. All this, just everything. We we got it all. We got it all. Yeah, it's crazy, um, hey? And we were also remarking on how funny it is that, like, we have, we are kind of, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, how, how uh, like, these major game releases have just so happened to coordinate with, like, these big existential, like, <laughs> problems. Like Elden Ring and uh, and what's it called and Forbidden West come out come out right when there's all this conflict. Yeah, like well, it's, I, I, that's it's a little gift uh, to us to to help calm our minds. I mean, as long as you get to play them. So, what's your uh, initial impressions of uh, uh, oh, Forbidden for, West been? Forbidden West, uh, a, a full week and a bit in. Uh, man, this story writing's really good. the The story I was concerned about, and it's been great. Uh, the The tribal stuff and the way different tribes interact with technology and each other, fascinating and thoughtful, and uh, and worth thinking about how how like religion and uh, technology blend in and weave in and out of each other. Uh, and it's still fun. There's still like, there's still a ton of stuff to do. Uh, there's all the different machines are cool. If I, it's, I, th- I think they're delivering. I think they've delivered. They've, they've put together another solid experience. So if you had even remotely enjoyed zero dawn, this is going to be good. So I I, I I don't know if you noticed, but one, but uh, Donkey put out a review on 
on Forbidden West. Have you seen this yet? I have not. How, what what was his take? So his take is just I, I I he was quite negative on the game, but I but it was it wasn't necessarily that the game was bad, but that the game um is in such a well developed uh, genre that mm-hmm. like every mistake in or every shortcoming in the in the genre in the game like becomes more glaring because there are so many things to compare it to. Mm. Um, so I'm really, and I, and I was, I was curious how you, that, that comment in particular resonate with me. I haven't played the game, but that is a sentiment that I have felt before where there are all of these, um, a lot of games that I, that I have found myself bouncing off of, like not being able to enjoy is mainly because like I end up inevitably my brain compares them to what has come before. And I think a great example for me is cyberpunk where cyberpunk is a really great game. And I think if cyberpunk was the first kind of open world role-playing ish shooter RPG thing, um, I think I would have like really liked it probably, but it's not like I played fallout four for a million hours. Yeah. Right. And and it's just worse in comparison. And the comparison makes it a lot like so. So I'm curious how you feel about that take. Do you feel Uh, like for do you feel like Forbidden West is doing something different or do you feel like it's polished or 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 good enough to kind of stand on its own in a very saturated genre? Or like, how, how do you feel about that? I do think it's good enough to stand on its own. Uh, if anything, it makes me, it, I'd be less likely to go back to Zero Dawn after playing Forbidden West because it improves uh, in little ways on all the things that Zero Dawn did. Uh, the, it's a little easier to get around. Uh, there's some cooler mechanics. There's more diversity in equipment and gear and loadouts and ways to set your character up. <clears throat> I mean, I, so that take, I well, I get it. Uh, that's sort of like saying, I mean, Picasso did so much good painting. Uh, why are you even drawing? Like every, <laughs> every time you draw a picture, okay. all I can think is how hideous it is because I've seen Picasso. Or uh, or why why are you even you know playing piano when I've heard Mozart? Uh, and the more the more Mozart's we have, uh, the less. I care about your attempts to make music. Uh, and that to me just belittles the art that someone has done. I mean, sure. It's, it is fair to say like, if you do a bad job, uh, people are going to feel it. So you should do a good job, uh, but it doesn't have to be this perfect, uh, like life changing. Uh, th- this forbidden West isn't an, isn't a fresh take on something. It's a refinement of something that exists, right? Like gorillas refined their recipe. Uh, I think they did a good job refining it. Uh, they're they're not making someone else's recipe; they're making theirs. I, I think every time a game tries to copy someone else's recipe too close, that's where they get into problem. Uh, like, are you familiar with Elix? 
No, I'm not. What's Alex? So Alex is a is a really weird, mediocre open world kind of game. Uh, it was f- for like the 360, I think, uh, and it was strange. Uh, but it's got kind of a cult following because it was strange. It's okay. not like the controls aren't good. It's a, a sort of it, there's lots of dysfunction to it. But it's it's kind of an interesting game. Uh, Alex two. It, came out this week i think or is coming out this week uh yeah talk yeah. about the worst possible time to release oh, your open world your your open world double a title mm-hmm. yeah holy smokes uh, just against to get some juggernauts in the, in the industry <laughs> yeah you've literally got forbidden west and elden ring at the same time holy yeah. sm- oh, okay uh so i i don't think they're expecting to do great i don't think they were expecting to do huge uh right it it looks a little rough around the edges uh but it's still doing its sort of story and world uh and i I like the first one even though it was a weird thing to play and i'll probably play the second one even though it's it's not going to bring anything new to the genre uh it's not going to do anything super mind-blowing crazy but it is like someone really cares about that story someone put the work into that story uh and it's one that i'm interested in and that's that's enough it it doesn't have to be perfect is is my so that's so that's my take are there certain elements of the refinement of the genre that that should be present though uh yeah you should learn from the the people who have made games like it right like that that cyberpunk didn't didn't get into factions better even though their contemporaries have all kinds of faction stuff uh that was a failure on their part yeah that's a mega failure yeah not being I, able to customize cars not being able to buy an apartment yes so, some basic like customization and and equipping Th- those are those are failures to just listen to the the their contemporaries that's dumb it's <laughs> just dumb. Uh it does it doesn't need to be that way, right? Now, some of the some of the other stuff that they tried to do that maybe went really weird, uh, that's okay. They they tried to do some some new storytelling, some new stuff. Uh and I have a lot of uh compassion for them in that. Uh and I have lots of uh that, that they've been committed to continuing to refine their game and improve it. Lots of respect for that too. So, so the CD Projekt Red, I don't hate them. Uh, some of their execs, I have lost a lot of respect for. But I mean, that's a that's a that's a thing we all are struggling with. I think when it comes to games, right? The 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 money machine and the art machine aren't aren't always playing together well. Very true. And we'll get into that in the second half of this podcast. Yeah. That's what we were talking about today. Um, so what about Elden Ring? How's, uh, how's, oh, oh, man. Oh my gosh, dude. This game is, is it, this is it. This might be, I, I understand why people have been rating it so highly now. Yeah, it, it is. It is overrated. I want to say that. Okay. Um, it it people have been giving every almost every major news outlet has been giving it a ten out of ten. 
I've been seeing that, but I watched a bit of it and I was like, mm, this doesn't look like, like, I don't know what 10 looks like, but I don't think this is it. So this is to me, this is for sure a nine or a 9.5. Yeah. Maybe even a 9.75, oh. but a 10. No, like, like, uh, I, I would be tempted to give breath of the wild a 10. Yeah. Because what, what Breath you, of the Wild, like yeah. uh, Breath of the Wild, has a very simplistic set of con- uh, man. See, this is this is good. This is a whole thing. But Breath of the Wild has a very simplistic set of tools that are easy to control and 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 pull off. Yeah. The game has varying degrees of difficulty, but um, there is a very strong sense of play and mobility in um in the game and an elden ring is an open world game that feels like it really wants to be doing a lot of what breath of the wild does like like it it offers a lot of fun and freedom of movement there's a lot of platforming sections uh where you use your mount and your mounts like your mount has a double jump right um and you to get around and it's it's really really creative level design really creative like the i would say the most creative open world design I've ever seen straight up. Like they take the sort of dark souls approach of like complicated and multi-layered environments. And they imply that to a giant open world. Right. So it's like one area you'll see an encampment. And then if you take the time to explore, it's like underneath the encampment, there's a catacomb and that's a whole dungeon that you can go through. And like it just there's always these little things to discover and things to find. And like um, it's really fun. Uh, and I and the more that I play it, the more that I find myself uh, enjoying, enjoying it uh, like um they're I'm appreciating over time more and more what they're at, what they're doing with the game. Um, I'm at, and I'm at a point in the game now where, where there's a branching storyline. So I I've reached the point like, a, I think I'm 50 plus hours in. Um, and, uh, and we, and yeah, like there's, there's no end in sight. <laughs> there's so much content. The world is so big. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild, wild stuff. I, I gotta ask, so of those 50 hours, how many of those hours have been going back through something in order to just, so yeah, so at it? very little because they've implemented a, a new system that is the best thing that dark souls has ever implemented. So there's these things called statues of Marika, which are essentially they're They're not bonfires. But if you are fighting something and you die in re- in near one of these statues, you can choose to respawn right at the statue instead of the bonfire. So what this does is generally they'll put them outside of boss rooms. So you can respawn right outside the boss room and then just try again. So the amount of time that you are spending running to a boss room is very little. and. Uh, my a friend, my friend and I were talking and we were saying that I think that the, this game is at its worst when it's not making use of that feature. There are a couple dungeons. There's a couple bosses that don't have them. 
And uh, and they reminded it reminded us so deeply of why this is such a good feature. Right. Um, and there's a couple of places where the where it's yeah, where it's not implemented. Um and for whatever reason. <laughs> um but yeah, so that's a really, really nice feature. Um, it cuts down on a lot of the running around time. Uh, and the game is is hard. It's difficult. It's difficult, but accessible. And I'm not sure how to describe that in good words yet. It's difficult in that it is. Um, it, it's, it's a Dark Souls game. Uh, it's accessible in that the 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 ways that you have to approach bosses are like more variety there's more variety than ever before that's cool yeah so it is 100% not a 10 out of 10 and i don't think that there's a po- this but i do think this is as close to a masterpiece as i think dark souls a dark souls game can be okay and i and the reason yeah the reason i say that is that it it has there's so much fun and freedom in approaching things from any direction. Um, I, I think my second playthrough will be very different from my first. Um, I, I think, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just so, it's so fun. It's so fun. And the game, the game really also pays you, pays you out for exploring. like, there's just just so many things to find like and and there's an entire crafting system that is in the game and like so the more you explore the more recipes you find the more ingredients you find the more consumables and summons and all these different things that you have to deal with bosses do, do dark souls do like like dlc or or microtransactions um, yes. or or bits like that I don't I being unfamiliar with the the genre for the most part like is there extra stuff yeah, so I think if I understand it right, um, I think all of them except for f- the first one have uh, have DLC. And one of the reasons I really enjoy that is that they have always done. It's always like a very traditional kind of DLC where it's like um, it's it's expansions. It's very much like expansions from other you know ages gone by, where like you can tell that there's an area in the game that, um, you know, there's just a giant door that you can't go through right now. And then when the DLC drops, it's like you go through the door and it's like this whole area opens. That's the DLC. Yeah. And it's clear. So it's clear that, that the DLC is planned for in the base game. And then it is like released. No, that's, that's, that's that's an old school model. And I love it. Hi, everyone. We're doing a regular live stream over at twitch.tv slash the coop. We're live streaming Monday through Thursday, starting at 10 p.m. CST. We'll be playing a big variety of games, including League of Legends, and talking with you in chat about the same kinds of things we do here. Consider heading over to twitch.tv slash the coop and hitting the follow button. Today, we wanted to talk a bit about the yeah, microtransactions, DLC, kind of the monetization elements of of games um and because i i don't know how you the listener feel but i i have very conflicting feelings about this yes um and and i'll start with a bit of story time about this i i 
I was there for kind of one of the 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 quintessential moment. And and maybe if you're younger, you don't remember this, but when Elder Scrolls Oblivion came out on uh, Xbox 360 and PC, uh, there was a huge kerfuffle about horse armor. Do you remember this? <laughs> the horse armor DLC. Sure do. It was a 99 cent DLC uh, to, on the Xbox shop. And uh, and to get horse armor, to enable horse armor, you had to you had to spend a buck. Yep. And and this scandalized everybody. Yeah. And that's people, funny. People, and that's funny to say now in retrospect. Yeah, they didn't take it well. It, it was uh, a defining moment of of outrage at 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 the new kind of ways of monetizing games. Uh-huh. Um. And it was the last time there was real scandal about it, to be honest, that I rec- that I recall. Uh, it was the only scandal. Yep. Uh, no, no, I think. Well, I mean, uh, there are obviously other scandals. The whole CSGO uh, boxes, like loot boxes and uh, gambling and stuff like that. There was a whole thing with that. Yeah, I, I, that and uh, is it uh, Star Wars? Battlefront Two. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. That that one I think might be the next time like legitimate scandalousness happened. True, because uh, because that like everything came apart, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, apart. that game failed. Yeah, uh, and they rebuilt um, it. But yeah. Um. So so for me, I. And, and this ties in a lot to an idea uh, of games as a live service. So for the listener, if you're not familiar, uh, something that that specifically um, Chinese game developers have contributed to to global game design is the idea of your that your game is a live service. Uh, what we mean by that is that you're providing uh, games are a platform for content. So rather than viewing a game as what most of us think as a game, which is a sort of, you know, a, a, a package, right? So it's like, like uh, Horizon Forbidden West, where you, you buy a game, you play the content that the game comes with, and then it's over. And, we're, and, and traditionally, we're used to like, maybe if the game's really popular, they offer a sort of expansion pack type DLC where it either expands the content or adds additional content. Think star Wars and star Wars brood war or age of empires and some of the expansions or whatever. Um, so uh, there's this really great uh, video essay that I, I sign- I recommend it's going to be in the show notes today. It's called manufactured discontent and Fortnite. Um. And it's just all about how Fortnite became what it is, what it was, the the really big, successful, you know, kind of thing. Uh, so F- Fortnite um, it was was originally, I don't know if people remember. It was originally a wave defense game. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was it was like you and your friends would build a base and then waves of zombies would come out of the of the mist 
and uh, and you're free. You would be, it was a co-op like base defense game where you could customize and build. You would harvest materials from your environment uh, and then build bases. Right. Huh. And uh, a lot of people. Um. Uh, and it, and it was awful. <laughs> um, and or it just didn't do well. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and and then uh, the Epic Games went to the big kind of game developer giant uh, Tencent, that is known for most mobile games and is like a giant Chinese company. They own Riot Games. Yeah, they do. Uh, uh this is before they owned Riot Games, though. Um, and they they basically you know gave the advice to Fortnite of like well become a live service platform. So they made a free they made the free to play battle royale game mode, and then they were having some initial success, and then so then they their entire model the whole time was to be a live service platform. So the the and again I'm saying all this stuff just as just offer some distinctions as we discuss this stuff that. Um, there, there is a difference between a game offering lots of DLC, having a core game and then having DLC and a live service platform, a live service platform is, is, uh, like Fortnite is the best example of it because Fortnite had concerts, right? You could attend digital concerts on Fortnite, right? Which is so weird to me. Uh, yeah, it is weird to me. Uh, I, I, there's a part of me that's like, wow, I really like that the games are exploring this space. And then there's a part of me that's like, uh, just like smells the corporate shilling that that is. Yes. Um, (laughs) yeah, that, uh, yep. And, and so I guess the tension that we want to talk about today is, is the truth is that games are ex- super expensive and modern games are increasingly more and more and more expensive. Yeah, they are. And, and things monetization strategies are how you keep a game going for years and years. And we only have to look at something like league of legends to understand how that's possible. That is a, is a hard part is, is a lot of people work hard and they deserve to get paid. Uh, but you can't pay them all on a, a, a one-time sixty-dollar pop, and and they only and they only get paid once. Then, like that's a, that's it. Yeah, what you're do what you're doing with that sixty dollars is actually paying the company back, right? Like the company has already been paying people for years, and you're helping them the the company recoup all their costs and hopefully build have enough money. To do another one, but meanwhile, like people like want to work consistently, uh, and and nobody's given them cash to do that because because that costs money. Like every, every every groceries keep coming. Uh, they don't wait every four years for you to pay off things with your dividends from your from your game. Uh, so that I there's part of me that looks at it and goes like yes yeah, so if you're providing a service and I enjoy your service and I then I should pay for it that seems reasonable to me that's that's not a problem uh yeah that's I I think about that but uh, I also have other thoughts and and that's what's so weird to me uh, is that I feel like 
even though there has clearly been so much exploration in terms of games and, and earning consistent money, I also feel like there hasn't been that much exploration. Like, like, so the, the examples that come to mind is like, so, so one thing that I, I, I just, as a, I internally despise is selling skins. Oh yeah. And, and, and I know a lot of that has become just an accepted thing that we do. Right. I, I hate it because it is, it is so weird to me that you expect my money to like recolor my guy red. Like for, for years of, and for the majority of gaming history, that was just expected. Like in, can you imagine if in halo one in multiplayer to, to change the, you know, to, to change the way your guy looked, you had to buy all that. Uh, you know, I, th- I think if they'd have realized earlier, people would have been all for it. Cause it, so if, if for 99 cents, your, uh, your Spartan could look like a samurai, uh, they would have funded every halo, <laughs> uh, t- 10 years ago. But I, I think that there is like something lost in 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 games that choose to do that huh uh like so I, like i feel exactly the opposite and i love i love skins as a as an income option see i i and i, and I, I just think that there's more ex- space that we can explore with that i i do enjoy i do like it in in one sense i like that like there's a free option to play the game without it. But if you're really invested in it, it's a way of kind of showing off and like showing that you are invested in the game. Yeah. Um, And there's like other, like games have explored other ways of getting continue, uh, continued income. Right. And a lot of MMOs went the sort of subscription route, right. Where you pay a monthly subscription. Yeah. Um, Which I also, I dislike. I like that less. Yeah. Um, then there's the, the battle pass, which is the, which is the worst of all of them. In my that, opinion, that is, that is an egregious affront to gaming as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and so, so of those three, I think the monthly subscription is the most ethical, uh, uh, yeah. but, but, but it's the least fun. Uh, and, and the bat and like, so what the battle pass and the skins do is they, is they both prey on the, the notion of digital scarcity. And this is where I want to bring this into the conversation. Sure. And this is something that, because this is something that fundamentally really bothers me. And this could potentially lead into conversations about NFTs and things like that. But like the, one of the points of digital existence, the point of the digital revolution is that there is no such thing as scarcity. Right. Right? They're, they're saying, like, like a, uh, you having a skin and me not having a skin is an illusion. Right. <laughs> right? That is, it is, there is a, uh, it doesn't matter what the reasoning is, whether it's a paywall, whether it's that you've done an achievement or not, like whatever thing that is separating your you from having the skin and me from having the skin is completely arbitrary. Yeah. Right. There's no, there's, there's digitally speaking, there's no reason why I couldn't copy paste your skin and just use it myself. 
Yeah. That's one of the whole things of, of this paradigm that, that, that upsets me. And I wish that we could do, do things better. Um, so like a great example is in League of Legends and they, they do this a lot with League of Legends skins is they offer skins for only a very set period of time. Oh, it's, it's so clever and so wrong. Yeah. It's, and they, they convince you that you are, are, um, you know, that, that you're getting something that is, that is limited, but that's not, that's not true. No, it just exists. <laughs> the files exist unless they delete the files after. Uh, and lock them away somehow so that nobody could ever recover them from your machine. That that the same is true of of this the as these ideas of games as live service. So and, and this is again this could probably get like really spiral out into lots of different conversations. But League of Legends and Fortnite don't just do this with collectibles; they do this with their base content. That to me is where I start getting frustrated. I'll I'll take skins and I'll take DLC. If you've if you've built add-on stuff, ways like if you've designed a character and then also thought up alternative designs uh, and want to sell those alternative designs if someone wants to play with it, great. But if something is like half complete and then you're gonna sell the other half like it's completion, uh, that is no, you should have finish your work. If your work's not done, if you if you've published half a game because you want to sell the other half later, ah uh, man, that is that'll make me stop playing a game in a heartbeat. So, but so what about the so so? Here's another thing: is like the like a lot of games have embraced this sort of seasonal nature. So, um, the yeah, so so like just as an example. I can't go play League of Legends in, from season four, and you can't go play season one, uh, Fortnite. No, so you can't go play a game of Fortnite without vehicles and without all these new crazy and additions that they've put in. Right. Um, and this is part of the of the live service idea is that they are continually selling you a new game constantly i think if that's the game you want to make then that's i mean that's not unlike world of warcraft or any other kind of mmo that does a subscription right they're constantly putting content in the game's constantly evolving uh and you're paying for that you're paying people to do that uh but you should know that's what you're getting and i think uh i think the buy-in should be maybe zero then i i think that we should be we should not be doing that <laughs> oh just like, not at all hey no i i i interesting and, and and this this for me comes from a competitive perspective i think that there's this fine line where a game is being is being so rapidly developed and i think league is a really good example of this and fortnite is too where it's living constantly on the edge of killing itself. And we, we only need to look at Fortnite or World of Warcraft to understand that these things don't uh, continue forever. Uh, living on this edge of development that uh, doesn't last forever. Yeah, that's um, true. But, and this is the contrast, 
you look at a game, like two games that come to mind. I mean, first of all, almost all traditional sports are great examples because the games themselves have not really changed. Right. Um, but uh, the and yet the fan bases continue. And they keep buying um, new ones. That's the thing that baffles me about sports games. Yeah. I mean, not and not just sports games, but like I'm talking like traditional sports. Oh yeah, like football. like like football, basketball, <laughs> like like, our, the, like the real sport, like sports, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and even further, uh, or yeah, sorry, yeah. It was, so there's traditional sports, but then also melee is always the game that always comes to mind for me. Like it, it is a game that has had a consistent competitive community, a consistent viewership, um. And uh, l- despite not having any monetization and not having uh, any like uh, updates. Right. And I think that like, I think that Melee would, would be, would be really good for Nintendo if Nintendo had decided to support it, but they never have, or, or that I shouldn't say they never have. They there's, they have a very limited history with officially supporting the game as a competitive game. And I, so I think that there is like this, this, middle ground or or i think i think the the when you start approaching a game as a live service as opposed to a product that you're selling and then keeping alive and continuing to 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 you know profit off of by various means um you are threatening to kind of change the secret sauce that made you successful in the first place right because you're constantly tinkering with your own recipe every time you update it Right. Like, and there's a reason that a lot of players hate League of Legends and have such a toxic relationship to League of Legends. And, and I really believe that it's because the game has been, um, for a lot of players, the game's sauce has been lost. Like, what made it delicious when we first, you know, were playing it, uh, isn't the same anymore. And for some of us, uh, that's fine. We actually like the new sauce, it's good. And and certainly not for everybody. I think I can accept that things have lifespans, even if they carry on. Uh, so, so for me, it's fine. Like there was a time when League was a lot of fun. I don't find it that way anymore. Every new character adds something new. Like it's hard to manage picks and bans when there's one thousand things that are are or variables in. But some people really love that. It means the game is over for me. <laughs> but for someone else like the game is alive now uh and if it had been a standalone product maybe it would still be over for me maybe not maybe i maybe i'd still be playing vanilla law with uh with with a group of people who loved vanilla uh i know like world of warcraft has has recently like reissued servers like that right vanilla servers yeah. yep uh, to kind of like restore that, uh, we really messed this game up for some of you. So here's a <laughs> here's a not messed up version. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, the, like th- I think that evolution's okay. What I, what I hate and what worries me is that uh, so like Genshin Impact as a as a as a great 
study uh, was free, came out, uh, made ungodly amounts of money. Uh, it it refunded itself in what days? I think uh, as a as a free game in a couple of days, it made all its development costs. Uh, but it is it is hardcore service, like. It uses it uses everything. It uses battle passes. It uses uh, um, like loot boxes. It uses uh, rare randomization. It uses everything that I, th- I think is unethical and terrible in the monetization of games to do it uh, with a, a pretty bland, I would say, game loop. And uh, and they showed investors the money side of gaming not the art side uh that you can do that and make a uncomfortable amount of money (laughs) Uh, and now that's in the world yeah and uh and it gets more and more expensive to make games more and more expensive to produce these things I I do worry that someone's going to look at it and go like, why should we make this pretty complicated, interesting, uh, like two hundred hour game uh, that challenges players with these concepts when we could just uh, when we could just produce this, right? Like, why why make Elden Ring if you uh, if you can make Genshin? That's terrifying. <laughs> it is ten. So that terrifies me. Uh, that's that's a legitimate like that is a legitimate concern for me when it comes to th- this particular conversation. Is the money uh, is tempting, and there's there's some who would say I th- I think we're seeing it in games like with the increase in skins and the increase in. Uh, extra paid DLC and the increase in a bunch of these things that uh, that it exists and there's some temptation to say, well, we want to make more per dollar in, and this is the way you do it. And so these games start changing. Uh, right? You start getting games half produced. Yeah. Uh, it's some really cool things that make the game more enjoyable are locked behind paywalls. And and I I think that they're like first of all I mean that the whole the whole issue of like addictive tendency abuse stuff of like loot boxes and and these kinds of things I I I don't people have the discussion and the discourse in the gaming community has been very kind of fixated on. Um, on oh that like this game uses like has you know abusive you know loot box type stuff in it uh-huh. and i i don't see that kind of thing as as at all distinct from a game as a live service and from these these questions of digital scarcity like to me that's all the same thing oh uh-huh, interesting like the these are all all of these questions are how do we essentially how far can we push the player how much can we piss off the player how how badly can we offend their basic sensibility of the value of their own time in playing our game while so that we 
like how can we essentially manipulate the player to be invested enough in our game that they will spend the money to get the better version of our game that we should have probably just given to the player right that's that's the it that's the case in all of these things like all these MMOs have these, you know, a premium version that like, oh, you get free teleports, you get this, you get this multiplier, you get an experience th- th- multiplier, you get, I don't know, whatever nonsense they give you. Yeah, it's, it, it, we, there's an easy <laughs> setting and we've locked it behind a paywall. Yeah. And and that idea uh, like if if we were to say that, oh yeah, there's actually an easy version of Elden Ring. It just costs twenty five dollars per month. Um, it would it would piss people off. But there's that's just a, that's no different from these from loot boxes or or other sort of pay to pay to pay to play or pay to you know enhance type experiences, right? It, it is it is to agree. I I do think there is that there's a. Uh, distinctions to be made for some things uh i like i think so valhalla assassin's creed they uh they did a whole like season's pass right with uh with dlc that was planned and then they recently released a second one uh borderlands did this to borderlands three yeah uh, i did two sets of of like dlc releases uh, at like a forty dollar cost, Canadian at least, and uh, and there's, there's a lot of mixed feelings about that. But I I'm I'm okay with this in part because they gave good content. Uh, they didn't make an incomplete game and then charge you to finish it. Uh, and like people work hard on this stuff. It takes a lot of hours to use all of the all of this the technology to make a good game and to do all the all that graphic and all that stuff and it's it's tough to just say like oh i don't think i should pay you for that i just i want that for i mean it's not free for you but i want to i want it without having to pay you what you're actually worth that is though the world of art is a tough place that way in that people are constantly saying I don't want to pay you what you're worth. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you're enjoying this podcast, our live stream, or our video essays, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash the coop. You can support our ongoing work and help us expand and grow what we're doing. At any tier, you get access to a second weekly podcast, which will be exclusively posted there. Please consider supporting us on Patreon today. I, I think so. So for me, I feel differently about single player and multiplayer experiences. I, I think if your game is single player, I think offering offering content behind a paywall makes sense. If I feel like I've gotten my value when I first bought your game. Right. Like it's a pretty simple equation. If the single player experience that you sold me is good and I want more and you've made more after the fact. To expand what you originally made. I will buy it. I don't think anyone's upset about that. Uh, I mean, there are people who are, but I don't think they uh, have. A, I don't think they yeah, have a leg to stand I, on. I don't think that's a reasonable grievance. Uh, I think, and and like, I what I what I personally think is your your multiplayer game. Um, 
that I, I I personally think that there needs to be more of an emphasis on letting these multiplayer games exist on their own two feet. Like I, I and like part of me really wishes that there was a way of educating the gaming public <laughs> better because it's our it's our fault. Like like we we have we have fed the gen like the, the Genshin Impact beast. We did. We fed it. Like we we right? paid for that stuff within twenty four hours. So that's on yeah. us. Like, like, uh, yeah. Everybody I, bought the loot boxes. We didn't, we didn't have to buy them. There's also a part of me that just like I I do think that there needs to be legislation. Frankly, I think that 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 though that specific kinds of manipulation within gaming should be illegal. Yeah, um, I, th- it, I, th- I, I and regulate that point too. I mean, it's already loot boxes are literally illegal in the EU. Yeah, Um, I think we are getting to this point where we we have to stop this. Like it's and it's up to us to like it actually needs to be illegal. You don't get to just widespread abuse people. What I'm trying to say is I, I think that that when I think that DLCs, live service platforms, all this stuff is fine if you have a core experience that is good enough to stand the test of time. And, and even if that, like, like I look at like Starcraft one, like Starcraft one was relevant for so long. And there continues to be Starcraft one leagues around the world. Right. And, and there was a core gameplay experience that was good. So do new people join those leagues? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not in them enough to know that. But yeah, there's always people who are. I would expect that there would be people who would pick it up because there's a lot of legacy skills that you can learn pretty quickly because there's a lot of stuff that people have developed. So I know there's there's also the issue of just general discontent uh, that I I want something new all the time. <laughs> and and uh, game companies are dealing with that, right? Yeah, G- gamers always wanting something new, always wanting something fresh. I want a new take on it. I mean, we started off talking about that with with Horizon, right? No, I want to, I want it didn't surprise me, so I think it was it was a waste of money. Uh, but was it good? Did they present you with a solid uh, piece of of art? Did it look nice? Did it play right? Was it complete? If it was complete, then it was worth the money. Uh, if you wanted something surprising, that's a whole different problem. I mean, maybe the, maybe they weren't. That's not what they're going for. Then you should have played Elden Ring. It sounds like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now there are lots of games that are surprising or or you know ingenious or have have these words that uh that people throw against uh other things that are just just doing what they're doing fine uh i don't know that it's actually fair to expect every game company and every game developer to do that right so so there's there's some balance to to the the world there of of this isn't innovative well it doesn't have to be is it fun Mm. Is it fun for some people? Did it get across something that that a group of people were trying to make or build or do? And if you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to like everything that's produced. 
and it's not all for you. Yeah, I played Genshin when it first came out and then realized how much of a grind the late game is. And I was just like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, I too, I played a little bit and I was like, oh, there's like, so I need some of these other characters to really like make this game work. I was like, okay, what do I have to do to get, uh, you know, this character? I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Uh, or you can put a thousand dollars into it. I was like, well, I'm definitely not doing that because the game isn't actually that fun. Yeah. I so I, and I think fundamentally, I think that like, I don't know how this to be, to be true, but like games that say money can save you time inherently, I think is, is awful <laughs> and should be illegal. <laughs> like, the the idea that like like and that's again where this like digital scarcity things comes in where it's like yeah you could farm for 500 hours or you could spend five dollars like a game that does that i will stop playing that game immediately as soon as i discover that that's in a game i will delete the game it depends on how much fun i have doing the thing yeah there, for me there's a strong possibility that i will either not be playing that game or delete that game if it's free to play, I'll be deleting it. If if it's pay, if it's a paid game, I'll probably not be buying it. I I don't mind. Some people have more time than others, and uh, and that's right. okay. So, they're, they're allowed so, to use those resources. But that's what I mean. Is like like what the you either design a game where the the gameplay loop is enjoyable and then let people if they don't have a lot of time um they don't they don't get it that's okay if your game's fun but but like don't sell people <laughs> like it's like the 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 way that what why this particularly grinds my gears is that this this that idea incentivizes game developers to make their games annoying and grindy and obnoxious right it incentivizes them to make a game that is anti-player so when that's what they do with that yeah that upsets me if so i love that some games have uh just story mode you can actually turn off that you take damage uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that. So, so people can just play them because they they don't have uh, hours to get good at the game. They don't have the time to explore all these corners, uh, but they still really like what the developers have put together. So so do that if that's what your monetization does. Uh, I can live with that, but make your make the grind not ridiculous. Like when it's oh, it's going to be ten thousand hours. To, to actually get all the content of this game, that's insane. Or 50 bucks. It's like, no, 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 no. That's the, the my dollars per hour is off. I, I went, I went, I went to at least minimum wage for my time. Right. That's, that's how my time should be valued. But when my time's valued at, at one hundredths of cents, hmm. That bothers me a lot. And and that's like where a lot of the most like, I mean, that's the yeah, Genshin impact. Uh, it's why I stopped playing Lost Ark. I just realized that like, oh, the late game is literally just pay to win or hundreds hours of grinding. 
right? So I just choose. I was like, yeah, I, I literally uninstalled it that day. I enjoyed the leveling process. And then I was like, looked at what the late game, uh, well, looked at what the late game options were. And I was like, oh, okay. Uninstall. But that's, so that's, that's MMO, right? Thousands of hours for minimal progress. That to me is the definition of MMO. Late game MMO means you have to put in hundreds and hundreds of hours to see nominal progress in your character. Yeah. And I feel like that's bad game design. And and I feel like that that it's it, and and it wouldn't be as bad if they weren't simultaneously selling you the solution. And and I think that is inherently like disgusting and despicable behavior like like that is beyond just making a certain kind of game design choice. Like it is literally poisoning you and giving and selling you the cure. So in that kind of situation, yeah, I, th- I think about world of Warcraft, like you got to spend hundreds of hours rating to maybe get that, that 2% faster attack speed or 1% more that. Right. And, and I, and that's, that's like, that's like its own kind of game design decision. And and I have my I have problems with it, but I never felt frustrated with with World of Warcraft because you can't just buy the item or you can't just buy the, you know, like uh, a loot box that might have that item in it. You actually you always have to do the raid. Yes, man. Right. People, like, can you imagine uh, if, if World of Warcraft had like top end PVP gear for loot box? Yeah, they'd probably make a lot of money uh, and they would have such angry players. But see, that's what's so wild to me is that like there are these games and settings where people would don't stand for it. But then there are games like Genshin where we just are. We just don't care. Why? Like what? Like and and like Lost Ark and stuff. And it's just like what? Like why? Why is there this 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 double standard? And and why do we let games get away with this? Like both in a legal sense and in a, as players. Like I don't think so. We we can only stop it by with with presence or. Uh, or pocketbook, right? Right, and and it's up to us to do that. So the next time when when Genshin two comes out, we all actually have to not play it. We got to say yeah. no, and uh, maybe that'll happen, or maybe a bunch of people have too much money uh, and not enough good sense. Yeah, and I think that there is also like and and that's why I think the core of this for me is that as gamers, as as people who care about this this community, I think that we we owe it to ourselves to become increasingly aware about the problems of digital scarcity and why I think this is a philosophical problem that that the community needs to grow out of. I I think it's it's yeah, it's becoming one where we actually have to say, well, here's what we expect. Uh, thankfully, I think I, I, optimistically uh, in, in my most opt- optimistic moments, I do think that's happening. Uh, and we're, we've seen it this month, uh, like forbidden West 
uh, Elden Ring. That like that's two games that aren't trying to sell you loot boxes. They're not do they're not doing that oh. at all. And right? it's such a blur breath of fresh air, man. Yeah, like and like look at how oh. how much they're getting played. Look at how much money that went out into them. Holy smokes! Is, is are these games getting played? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, total side note here, but like so so the the all time peak on PC for Dark Souls was like most amount of players playing at the same time mm-hmm. was one hundred and twenty six thousand people playing Dark Souls three at launch. Okay. And, do you want to guess how many? Do you want to guess, guess how many people are playing Elden Ring? <laughs> I guess it's in the millions. It's no, no. It's so nope. just on PC. Uh, it's seven. the 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 peak was seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, that is very believable. Just on PC, and and the majority of the player base is on PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so, because we actually like these things. Uh, yeah, and it's it's okay if you want to make a service game too, but don't don't make gaming only that, or we're out. Yeah, I I just. There are, I think that there are ways of, of like, I think players love collectibles that are, are, are gained by achievement. Um, but, but this, this, you know, skins that go away after a certain amount of time and stuff like that, you can't buy them anymore. And they're only available for cash. Like I just, these, these things, these just, I don't know, man, these gotta go. We, we like we yeah they they need to be done better so borderlands 3 uh, i think this is they did limited uh events for the first year of the game out f- for all the major holidays and uh if you didn't uh if you didn't complete you know x amount of these things and it was battle pass e in structure not not quite as egregious as a, as a cod battle pass but it, it was battle pass light uh but now so a couple of years into their their game, you can just turn the events on and off. So you can turn the Halloween event on and run Halloween events until you've gotten all the loot from it. And then and then turn it off and turn on the next one. And that to me is is the way that's such a, a good way to do it. So if you want to do limited release, you want to have some like first or second year scarcity, fine. Uh, you know, do that when the community's there and present and engaging with this timed stuff. Uh, but th- don't lock new players out of it or, or force them to pay a ton to get it, right? G- give them a chance to experience it. There, I think there are ways to, to still do both. But, but you do have to be really thoughtful and really careful with it. And it's not the most greedy way to function. And I think it's going to ultimately come down to that is uh, games as a service makes a lot of money. Or it can. It can. And uh, and you can make a whole bunch of money really fast. Uh, and then and then your your product burns. So many MMOs. I've played. I've seen so many MMOs come and go, where where they made a bunch of money really fast and then just burned out because uh, they didn't have a, like a good game loop, or they didn't have an engaging community, uh, or they missed the mark on some things, and then that was it. 
they were in it just to get that that World of Warcraft money, that EverQuest money. And they got a chunk of it, and then that was it. <laughs> so that the greed will greed greed will play a big role in it. Uh, and I don't know, inflation and, and money going the way it is, I I have a feeling we won't stand for it too much. Over at YouTube, we are producing video essays on video games. It's a longer form of engagement where we get to put our thoughts down and really dive deep into a single game. We've got some great videos planned, so please consider looking up the coop on YouTube and subscribe to our channel so you can check them out. Our videos will also release early over at patreon.com slash the coop. And I, I just feel like there is this... Yeah, like I, I think I, I really think that if we had a different mindset about uh, specifically about digital scarcity and, and I think one of the greatest failures, I think, of this time has been that I think that we have not. First of all, I think that millennials generally have not have many have not really understood and and uh, accepted what the digital revolution was supposed to do. Even though we were the first generation to really grow up in this space, like one of the dreams of the digital era was that scarcity itself would go away. Yeah. Right? Like um the even the idea of digital ownership, like buying a game, like like in the in the original, like you know, the way that the people who invented the internet understood it they they thought there would be no need for us to buy games anymore right like the, it would just be you know us developing stuff and then sharing it with each other i think everybody maybe grew up and realized that groceries cost money R- uh, yeah i mean true <laughs> and but then there's like, like well, i can't give everything away for free because I have to work, and they have to work, and we all have to work. Uh, unfortunately, the c- corporate corporations went, yeah, so let's charge as much as we can. And we all went, well, this sucks. And haven't found a good way to resist that. That things can cost some money. They don't have to cost all the money. That's I think that's the fair world, right? So we pay an artist what they're worth. We pay a game designer what they're worth. And that's it. Just what they're worth. Not uh not also here's millions and millions of dollars for investors who who are just selling like making their living buying your art for pennies and selling it for dollars. That is a system mm-hmm. I'd like to see us end. When when developers make barely six figures from a title and some guy in an office makes eight that's not right mm. there's so, there's something wrong there uh and i don't even think we're get, like that doesn't even get into it right that, that doesn't even begin to address the like microtransactions the developer the guy who made that skin that you bought for seven dollars he didn't get seven dollars mm-hmm. right? she didn't even get five uh they got pennies so that so there's something there to change and i think 
that if if we to were to revive the digital revolution, we'd say let's get that art back into or get the money back into the hands of the artist more than the corporation, uh, and that I think is is fair and and like uh, faithful to the movement. Yeah, and and I I also just feel like there's got to be a way for us to to not to reject digital scarcity and and acknowledge that that there are there needs to be ways for us to to freely share these things that are not restricted and not imposing ridiculous restrictions on these games for and digital stuff for no reason right um and we need to figure out a way of doing that and supporting the people who are making those games yes like uh like I, and I think that there is, um, I think that there are ways that we can, that we can do that. I, I think that you don't need to be a good game developer. I don't think you need to embrace digital scarcity, um, and, and rely on the sort of, uh, yeah, myth of scarcity, myths of scarcity, essentially. Yeah. I, th- I think that's fair. I, you know, I would love to see, and it'd be really interesting to see if there were custom skins that you could contact like one of the developers directly and say, so I'd like a, uh, an, a custom skin and just get it. <laughs> it's yours. It's your custom skin, right? Uh, that would be really interesting to see how that would play out. Cause there's always going to, I mean, you're going to run into someone who's like, well, I want that custom skin too. And maybe you don't get it, but maybe you can have something different. I don't know. And now, and now we go back in circles. Like how does, what, how does an artist make money? Can you, is, are you allowed to charge for prints uh, versus originals? Like to take it into, into the art world, right? Like I have, I have prints of art in my house and I have originals and the costs for those two things are very different. Very true. Uh, So I think the, the difference there would be, that like the, the the because games have limited life cycles it's mm-hmm. always a print right like and and there there and this is the, the this could really spiral into the whole nft issue but the that's the, the whole point is that everything in the digital sphere is a print Right. There is no such thing as the original. And and the only way to to have that sense, in my opinion, without without fully embracing, like pumping up artificial scarcity is to uh, is to try and design games in a in a ever in an ever season kind of way, like design a game that will be what it was. So like a great example for me is like. If I go back and play Oblivion, I will have all the DLC that I bought. Yes. Yeah. And if I and I can play it as it was at that time. Because I bought I purchased a thing, I purchased a print of the game. Yep. And I purchased a print of all the DLC and I can go and enjoy it as it is. I and I think that one of the reasons that really turns a lot of this stuff over is that Games like Genshin are going to be gone 
probably, you know, as soon as this game stops making money, the servers will go down and everything that you have done is gone. Yes. All the money you've spent, all the progress, it's gone forever. So, so that's a real thing that happens. Uh, and I wish people, uh, I wish them well in it, but it's why I don't play it. <laughs> and and, and it's like why I teach my kids too. And I've had to teach my kids like, yeah, we don't wait. How, how many hours have you gotten out of this game? Uh, cause my, you know, my son, when he was younger, definitely struggled with this. And, uh, cause he wanted to like, Oh, I want to buy, you know, coins for this game or, or buy in bits for this thing. Right. And it's like, no, no, you aren't. And he'd get really angry about that. And so we had to teach him. So here's what you're paying for. Here's what you're getting. How many hours are you putting into this? What's the, what's the community payout? Where does the money go? Like if you do all that research, then we'll talk about whether you put money into this or not. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's had him spend money on the, on some call of duties, uh, because he was playing it with a bunch of his friends and, uh, it was some cool stuff they liked and he'd put 800 hours into the game. Uh, and the, the $10 to buy in for these cool things that he liked, like his pennies on that time. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. But like, is this how, how, what's the cycle? And then there were points where like, so you've, you've put, you know, 50 bucks back into the game and you're not playing it as much. You're starting to just, you're starting to buy into their, their system and you got to break the habit. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough thing to learn. Uh, it's a tough thing to learn. So I, I don't know if we solved microtransactions today. <laughs> I, uh, I think they're that, good and bad, right? I think that's where we landed. Uh, they are, uh, yeah. They are. There's some good that's possible in the microtransaction world, and a world of horror. A horror. I, I really think that that the the real distinction is is it like and and where 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 I think it crosses a certain line is. Number one, is this is the game developer incentivized to waste my time and then sell me the solution? And then even further, am I buying something that I will be able to access? Because and now because I now have access, like I now own the ability to to to, you know, play this like I like like I said, I can I go back and like, you know, play this, you know, game as I purchased it. Or am I buying sort of the the digital access to the pretend scarcity of this thing? Um, and will the developer actually honor my, you know, the purchase that I that I made? Will I actually be able to access this thing again? Or is this just like something that that, you know, is meant to to just give me the sense that I am in an in group. <laughs> uh, that is the question. And I think those are good questions to ask. And, and I think th- the answer to those will let us know whether this is a legitimate thing or not. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, at least for me, what I will say in conclude in for as a, some concluding remarks is just like, um, think think about what you're spending your money on like like specifically consider whether you are being manipulated into 
purchasing something or whether you are buying something that is supporting the long-term flourishing of a core experience that you like. Uh, so for me, like I, I can't buy into games like Lost Ark or Genshin, but I can buy a skin on League because I want League to continue to be developed and the esports to continue. Um, and uh, and especially this is why this is so important for to to when you when you f- like games by small developers to find ways of financially supporting them so buy the game buy gift copies you know buy their merch whatever like like people don't understand how much that means for small developers especially i think this is that that's really important when you like a small developer like give them money <laughs> when they do a little when they do a little dlc go buy it day one uh, if if you think they've got an interesting thing, like buy their little bobbleheads or their go to their website, buy their stuff. Let them know, know that you like you care. Put money into them because it's it's worth it. I, I'm not sure ten cent needs our money, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as as much as uh, I I like league skins too. There's there's part of me that's like oh, I don't know if I want to give them uh, that money. <laughs> You know what I yeah, mean? Fair. That's fair. Uh, but when uh, you know, if Hades comes out with with some neat skins, I'd be inclined to to buy them because they uh, they did something good there. Oh yeah. Oh Hades, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready for some more DLC on there. Uh, yeah, if they're doing the work, I uh, we I constantly talk about. So, what are you getting for your money? Where's your money going? And, uh, and what are you buying into? What are you supporting? And you have to make peace with the answers to those questions. Don't get, don't get distracted by flash, like make real peace with those things. Why would you support that? Why do you care about that? Why would you put money into it? For, for me, Genshin, nope, not worth the, not worth a cent. Uh, but I, I mean, I do think Riot does put some good stuff out, and I don't mind buying some skins. I, the developers that built DLC for uh, for Assassin's Creed games that I love, I'll give them, I'll give them the money for it because they're they're they did the work. Well, everybody, thanks for thanks for hanging out and listening to us go on. I, you know what? I think maybe we'll skip we'll skip the Patreon side. I think for today, I think this one's been an extra super long one. And we'll just publish this as a full one. Maybe I'll do a little bit of uh, I'll do a sort of like, well, we'll th- I'll think of something for 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 Patreon side. Um, yeah, everyone, thanks so much for listening. And uh, yeah, I uh, hope you guys have a, a nice week. Hope you guys are enjoying if you guys are playing either Forbidden West or Elden Ring. I hope you guys are having lots of fun and uh, stay safe out there. Hi everyone, we're doing a regular live stream over at twitch.tv slash thecoop, where we are live streaming Monday through Thursday starting at 10pm CST. We are writing video essays over at YouTube and doing this weekly podcast. If you're enjoying any of that content, you can support us over at patreon.com slash thecoop. There you can get access to the second half of this podcast, early access to video essays, access to our Patreon-only Discord, and access to our regular Patreon-only video AMAs. 
All of these creative projects are not possible without you. So thank you so much for your ongoing support. Please consider supporting us on Patreon today at patreon.com slash the coop. <laughs>